Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Look Sports Media Championship podcast today with a snazzy new intro there. I absolutely love that. I don't know about you guys, but that was absolutely brilliant, Matt. Um, of course, myself, Lewis, today I'm joined by Chris again. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, suffering after Sheffield Wednesday Hull uh, yesterday, but I'm sure we'll get onto that with time to come. I've also got Jay here. How are you doing, pal? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Excited to get going. Yes, I'm sure we all are. We've got loads of stuff to run through uh, today. The uh, usual championship chatter. We're starting off with Wayne Rooney being sacked as of this morning after just 15 games at the helm for Birmingham. His 83-day reign led to him overseeing the side free fall from 6th to 20th place. I mean, Chris, just what way to think of this appointment in the first place? Yeah, I mean, it's deja vu for Birmingham, isn't it? I think... Uh not long before he was appointed and it was still being rumoured, I did an article comparing it to the Zola situation, you know, sacking a manager in the playoff places and falling down towards the bottom end of a table and history has just repeated itself again. I didn't actually expect it to repeat itself, but it does seem to have. Um, and you look at his stats, 15 games in charge and two wins and four draws, uh, taking 10 points from those it's just it surprised me because i would have he was he's not a bad manager and he he showed his class when he was at derby in the championship but i think since then the championships come on quite a lot more in terms of quality especially when you look at the teams who came down for the premier league last season yeah certainly and um it's just one of the things where everyone was expecting the second to come through Except for Wayne Rooney himself, he went onto Twitter after being sacked or X, whatever it's called. I don't even know these days. He said, "I do not believe that 13 weeks was sufficient to oversee the changes that were needed." Do you think he should have been given a bit more time, Jay? Do you think 
he could have turned the boat around or was his time up, do you believe? I don't know. I do not know. I think it's a sticky one for Rooney, really, because he was met majorly put in at the deep end. And obviously, I don't think it was the right situation to sack Eustace at all. I don't think that was right because Eustace was on form. But I don't know. The guy, the guy can't feel too hard done by because losing nine games... It's not great. So, yeah, I think he should have seen it come in. Yeah, I believe it's just it's just like the two is it two wins in 15, Chris. I mean, two wins. Does it, does it even, you mentioned there that you, you rated him at Derby. But there is that whole thing. It is a bit of a debate in the championship. Was he actually that good? And did he perhaps deserve his job taking on a top six at the time, a top six championship side? Yeah, I I don't think he was ready for a team who were pushing for promotion. And okay, Birmingham may have been a surprise that they were pushing for promotion at the time. But when you give the circumstances, their ownership, their new ownership coming in, uh, a, someone who's as big in the world of sport as Tom Brady is as well, investing in the club, that sort of thing. I think I remember reading that the whole one of the whole reasons behind Eustace's sacking was that they weren't happy with the style of football he bought played at the club. I think they wanted more attacking identity. And it's well enough asking for you want attacking identity in how you play on the pitch. But if you can't bring in the players who can give you that in the attacking area, then you can't have an attacking identity. I mean, yeah, it's one of them things where what is that attacking identity? They've scored the odd goal here and there, but defensively, they've been absolutely shocking. Looking in the, the last few games, they conceded three to Leeds, conceded three to a fairly mundane Stoke side, and also conceded three to Plymouth Argyle. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't really see what the sort, sort of get from this uh, managerial appointment, Jay. Was it just like, He's a big name. We've got the Americans coming in to take over the club. Of course, going to be a lot more eyes on the, the team. Was it purely just the name of Wayne Rooney that dragged him towards him? Or was it his past championship prestige? I, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there, mate. I think that the only reason this guy got the job was because of his name. Obviously, nobody can doubt the career Rooney had in football. But I don't know. It, I thought it was a weird one. And there's always that there's always that narrative that the Americans come over here, they don't really know. Like Todd Bowley coming over with Chelsea. I think I honestly think, like you said, they've come over here, seen the biggest name available that most people will know, and they've gone, Yeah, you know what, we'll give Rooney the job and it's come to bite them in the bum, you know what I mean? So but yeah, should he have stuck with you, sis? Yes, but I guess the name speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly. It's one of them in hindsight where obviously went from 6th to 20th. I think the most ideal situation that any Birmingham fans would have been saying was should have stuck by John Eustace no matter the style of play which was deemed inadequate by the new board, which was a little bit bizarre. But after this 13-week period, has Wayne Rudy's managerial reputation been tarnished, would you say, Chris? Or Absolutely. can he go out there? Do you, not, do you not think he could go out there and get another championship job? 
he said he's going to take some time out of the game, but then will explore his options once he feels that time's been sufficient. Do you think he will come back to plenty offers or or not? I think there will be clubs out there who take a chance on him, but at the same time, he's. You look at uh, Jay just mentioned about Todd Bowley, and it's a similar situation with to what Graham Potter faced at Chelsea for me. He's gone into a really toxic environment. Uh, it was never going to be a welcome atmosphere for Rooney with how Eustace was sacked. And I, they, they could have they probably hired a Birmingham City legend for the job and they still wouldn't have been happy because of how Eustace was seen off by the board. But um, I think taking the time out is the best option because that's again that's what we've seen Graham Potter do to recover and the jobs he's been linked with in the past few weeks and still not taking them I think I see his name come out in every championship job list for people wanting him but now that he's had that taste of Chelsea in the Premier League and Brighton he'd only take a Prem job but would anyone take the chance no one in the Prem would take a chance on Rooney and like Lampard having to drop to a championship to get a job that'd be the smartest thing for me to say he'd have to do that but yeah Rooney Rooney may even have to consider dropping to League One just to sort of rebuild his reputation because the toxic environment has done him almost irreversible damage yeah it, it is certainly bleak viewing for Rooney after what he has overseen over the past 13 weeks of course, like over the past month or so, we've had loads of championship sides changing managers, like the Sunderland of uh, Chopped and Changed, Millwall, and Rotherham, just to name a few of the many clubs that have done so. Who do who do Birmingham go for now? Of course, names such as John Eustace and Steve Cooper have uh, been mentioned. Are there any names that uh, spring out to you, Jay? That you'd sort of you can see um... in the near future of Birmingham. Well, I had a look actually. I had a look at the, the who who the bookies are putting on favourites, and the top three favourites: Steve Cooper, Jesse Marsh, and Tony Mowbray. I think it's one of them ones where Steve Cooper is he. You know, we could go down to the Championship and do a job. We all sort of Forest, bomb the league at Christmas, then go on a mad run and then take him up. Jesse. Marsh, I don't think Jesse Marsh got in him. I never rated him at Leeds personally. I know he kept him in the league, but no, I never really had a thing for him. I just think, I honestly, going back to your point before, sorry to drag back to it, was obviously Chris mentioned there about going into a toxic environment. And I think he's completely right in the fact that I think Birmingham have got a massive ego problem right now. And I think that maybe not Rooney, but any manager that stepped into that Birmingham job was guaranteed to fail. Like it was set up to fail, but going back to the, I've heard Lampard being thrown around as well. Do I trust Frank Lampard in charge of Birmingham city? Not a chance. The guy, um, as much like, like he's a great player, but he couldn't even get Derby promoted when he was pretty much handed the best players in the championship. So I don't know. I think Stevie Cooper would be the best option. But can you convince Steve Cooper to drop down to the championship when teams like Palace are looking to get rid of their managers? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. What would your thoughts be on uh, Steve Cooper going, Chris? Is, is there any chance of that potentially happening in the next few days? Is that 
or is that just a bit of a, a pipe dream for Birmingham at this point? I mean, stranger things have happened in football. I could see, could certainly see him taking that drop, but um, I, I think, like Jay said, he will be holding out for a Prem job, so I think that might be someone Birmingham miss out on. And touching on the subject of Tony Mowbray, I that being a name being linked, I don't see them. I don't see that being the case at all because I think he's a similar case of he wouldn't provide the attacking identity that Birmingham City are looking for on the pitch. But um, the one thing I will say on Rooney's sacking is the harshest part about it is he's not even had a transfer window to build a squad that he wants. So that is the harshest thing uh, he's had, really. So in that case, do you sort of sympathise with him? Of course, he, he posted the stuff yeah. on social media. Do you sympathise that 13 weeks wasn't enough for him to build his own? Well, he did, didn't build his own side, but he should have been given at least January and at least um, a bit of a transfer budget to sort of create his own identity. Do you think he should have been given that chance? Yeah, that, that's where I sympathise him with him, that he hasn't actually really had a chance with Birmingham City. And I, I don't think he stood a chance the second he walked through the door. What about you, Jay? Do you think, do you have a bit of sympathy with him knowing that he hasn't really had that own time to sort of build his own philosophy through the arrival of players? Or do you still think he had to go, if it's a time for him to change the manager, change the direction, he had to be now in the transfer window? Yeah, um, yeah, I do sympathise him a little bit, but then again, if you look at Birmingham City squad, like they're no joke, you know. What I mean, they've got Stansfield, Dembele, like they've got a, they've got a quite a strong squad. Sanderson at the back, but I feel like at the moment in the Championship, it's a big risk to take. Like, do you wait four games, hope he turns it around? But then, if he loses four games, then you're potentially. 12 points below where you should be. So I think the correct decision was made to set the manager, try and get someone in and give them the whole window, bring someone in now, give them the whole month and we'll see where they go. There's no good in bringing a manager in at the end of January where they can't bring anyone in. So bring them in now and yeah, let them go from there. Yeah, if I had to ask you both a go-to name, a go-to realistic name for Ben to get in, who would just both be getting in there first thing? It's got to be Cooper, doesn't it? It's got to be. If it's the most realistic one, it's probably got to be Cooper. You agree yeah, with that, Chris? I've got to agree it's Cooper as well. And he left Nottingham, he left Forest in similar circumstances where the fans weren't happy about that departure either. Yeah, certainly. It's fairly torrid times for Birmingham as the league table shows and, of course, the chocolate and changing managers. You mentioned there the squad that have got the likes of Jay Stansfield, who might be on the on the go at the minute. He's currently on loan from Fulham, I believe. And uh, I think there's a fair few championship clubs that are quite interested in him. Sunderland to name one. I mean they've only scored one goal coming through an out and right outright striker so far this championship season. Do you feel like he'd be able to add something extra to Sunderland's side Chris? Yeah, they they've obviously got a new they've got new faces in trying to build their team and looking at them slip it uh got back into that playoff places now so they're certainly on the up and i think that was part of why tony mowbray was uh gone in the end because 
because the quality is there at Sunderland, but it's consistency with the club. And it's been that way since before they came back up to the championship. They were the same in League One where it took them a few, uh, was it two attempts or three attempts to get back into the championship when they fell? But um, I remember them. It was at least a couple of attempts, yeah. But um, if they can get some goals in that team, then they could certainly start to threaten a lot more. They've well, they scored as many goals as West Brom, uh, with a goal difference of eight in the playoff places. You're going to want higher than that, really. Um, they've both scored the same amount of goals, which is the fewest of the top six. Uh, yeah, but that's not a great sight for Sunderland as they are going into that playoff space. So I think I believe they're in sixth at the minute. But uh, of course, we've seen the talent they do have, the likes of Jack Clark, to name one of them. Just how much of a threat would that be, Jay? Just Jack Clark feeding into Jay Stansfield. Is that an attack that is near on guaranteed to get playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I think... Stansfield in himself is a great player, so if he can get the players around him to give him that service, then, yeah, I just think Stansfield needs to go to a club, maybe like Sunderland, where he's going to be the main man. He's going to... He's obviously been linked with a lot of names as well, like Ipswich, but I feel like he needs to go there and be the main man. And like you said, I saw a stat the other day about Sunderland... Since yeah, first time a strikers a recognised striker scored a goal since Ross Stewart was it, and oh, really? Sunderland, wow. yeah, Sunderland have always been there and thereabouts. But we, yeah, I think Jay Stansfield get him in there with Jack Clark and players around him. Uh, you never know, you never know what could happen with Sunderland. They got the fan base. You never know they could always go up. That's if that's if they hang on to Jack Clark this transfer window as well, though. Yeah, that's true. That's good point. But, so good, aren't you? No, I was just going to say with the problem is with these big players, right? At these championship clubs like Jack Clark, I feel like the only safety net is that they don't need to sell unless stupid money comes in. Do you know what I mean? So someone like Jack Clark being there, I feel like they have no reason to sell at all unless someone comes in and someone goes slaps twenty, thirty million on the table, then they can take it away. But yeah. Do you not believe the player could potentially get... It could be a bit of unrest because if a Premier League team comes knocking, surely Jack Clark would want to move on, Chris. And you never know, that might end up lowering the the offer that's required or it might affect Jack Clark in sudden season as a result if he stays, but he isn't exactly as happy as he was at the club. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um can't remember... The one Premier League team I keep seeing linked is Everton, which, I mean, if I get my way, hopefully they're not a Premier League team next season. I don't. <laughs> one team I do not understand how they always seem to stay in the Premier League. But, um, yeah, he, he could certainly force his way out. He, he hasn't really shown any sign of it, and that's the thing. Um, Sunderland have built a good base around these young players where they'll get some money for these players when they start coming in and that's what a lot of championship teams do now you know you look at players like Jude Bellingham and now Joe but Sunderland seems to be headed the same way and how many players Leeds United currently have being monitored as well by Premier League teams Um, but in terms of a transfer window one thing I did just want to say is 
the one team who needs something the most for this window is Ipswich because of their looking at their form, consist inconsistencies starting to creep in a bit there. Uh, four draws in their last five. I mean, yeah, I, I was just looking at that beforehand, and it's just it just came out of nowhere. I feel like this um, Ipswich just. I don't know. Like, would you say it's a blip, or have they been and gone with a re- like a purple patch? I suppose it's a little bit long for a purple patch, but is this the sign of things to come, or is there no reason for them to panic, Joe? I don't know. I feel like Ipswich. I think, I think the reason their their form hasn't been great at the moment is it's just these things happen. You know what I mean? We didn't. Nobody expected Ipswich to be up there this season, and I think things are catching up with them. And you look who they're chasing with. They're chasing Leicester. And then you've got teams like Leeds, Southampton, who are behind them, who are recognised Premier League clubs in their own respect. And I feel like, I think Ipswich, they just need a bit more experience in that team. If They they need a few more calm heads because I feel like when it gets down, we're only halfway through the season and they've done very well. Very well. Very well is an understatement at the moment for them. But I feel like they... It's just the pressure stop getting put on them. I don't know. I really don't know if they're going to last. I think McKenna. I think McKenna's great. I think McKenna's a Premier League manager. I don't think he should be in the championship much longer if Ipswich don't go up this season. However, he needs to bring in a few more heads. Otherwise, it's going to be very, very. It's going to be a long time for Ipswich for the second half of the season. And it's it's really interesting to say. If in a year's if in a few months' time, when if they miss out on promotion, and we'd be saying, would it really be a failure if they didn't get promoted? Because it's a similar case with how Arsenal nearly won the league last season, but keeping up with a team like Man City is almost impossible nowadays. So, would is it actually a failure or are they overachieving? I don't know. I feel like I feel like it gets to a certain stage in the season where, say, we could have the same conversation in early March, and if they're still where their whereabouts they are at the moment, and then they manage to fall up, then yeah, I think it will be quite disappointing. But I think the most important thing for Ipswich at the moment is to stay there and thereabouts, and try and chase Leicester. Obviously, Leicester are ten points clear at the top now, so. It's going to take quite a lot, and they're probably going to have to bank on Leicester losing a few. But I'm saying try and keep as close to Leicester as possible, and then if you don't go automatics and playoffs, it is, and you just have to. And you never know with the playoffs, anything can happen. So, but yeah, I think it will be quite disappointing if they don't go up. And I think with with the playoffs now, Southampton are looking more likely than anyone to take that second automatic promotion spot. I was it. It's quite funny because I've had this conversation a few times recently where I've spoke to Leeds fans and they've almost laughed at me when I've said they could, they've got the quality in that squad and the experience in that squad to overtake both Leicester and Ipswich. At the time I was saying this, it wasn't as far far fetched as it is now. They weren't that far behind both of them, but now obviously Leicester are miles ahead of everyone. But the one reason why I said it was 
ha- they have the one thing Leicester and Ipswich don't have, which is a manager who's been in this position before and done this. And um, Le- Leeds fans laughed at me for saying it. And I said, Leicester, Ipswich, they both look beatable. Um, Leicester especially looked beatable when Leeds beat them. That was one of the worst performances I saw from Leicester this season. But as soon as I started saying Leeds don't look beatable, they started losing. It's just like it's just one of them where, of course, Leeds have all this just firepower up top. I feel like this attacking uh, lineup that we've got, they've got the likes of Dan James, Rutter, who signed for 30 odd million last season, Somerville, and yeah, Joel Pyro as well, Patrick Bamford on the bench. Arguably firepower that what that last name, but it it, has, it really has just turned into more of a, a race for your automatic because four or five games ago we asked the same question. It was just a two horse race. It was just less than Ipswich plodding onwards, and Southampton leads were in the mist a little bit. But all of a sudden, Ipswich went winless in the last five, and it really has heated up, hasn't it? It, it is a case of Ipswich leads. Or Southampton at this point, isn't it, Jay? Yeah, I think Chris, you raised a good point there about Southampton because I feel like for the majority of the season, Southampton have just been that team that are there or thereabouts. Nobody's really, nobody's really got an eye on Southampton at the moment because Ipswich are doing so well. But I don't know. I think out of the two of them, Southampton and Leeds, I think Southampton are more likely. Obviously. We know Leeds are a good side at the moment, but I just feel like the same way we call things Spursy, I think Leeds have got the same sort of thing. They're always going to do it the Leeds way. And I think, you know what, now I think I think Southampton are going to do it now. I'm starting to think about it and I think, yeah, Southampton are going to do it now because they've got, they've got the quality and they're only looking forwards. They're not checking their shoulder and Ipswich are kind of looking behind them. So, yeah, I think it's Southampton for me. Do you agree with that, Chris? Do you think think they have the attacking power that they have or a bit more all-rounded? Do you think they are just a better side in general than Leeds? I don't think it's... I I would say, argue that Leeds are the best team in this division. I think they've got a Premier League squad in the Championship. But all three of them have at the same time. I think this is the first time in a... I don't remember ever seeing... So many championship players scouted as what we saw. Obviously, they weren't championship players when they moved. But the one thing I said about Leicester, Leeds and Southampton going down is the three teams who got relegated last season were probably three teams who didn't deserve to go down. It's one point I keep saying. And you say about the Leeds way as well. The Leeds way seems to be the hard way. Only ever yeah. do things the hard way. And... If they're in the playoffs at the end of the season, I think they fall short. They're too inconsistent to win those extra three games. But at the same time, if you look at if Ipswich drop out and it's down Southampton take it, and the playoffs stay, playoff places stay as they are now, it's going to be the battle of who's the most inconsistent. Because you've got Sunderland in there, you've got West Brom in there who always have a mixed bag of form. Ipswich, who have almost done a similar thing Sheffield Wednesday did last season. 
But yeah, I think Leeds will miss out if they have to go through the playoffs. Who would beat them? I'm not sure, but I think some form of inconsistency will creep in and overcome them over two legs. Yeah, it's it's one of them where like obviously only time will tell who ends up getting that crucial automatic spot. But I think the January transfer window is going to be crucial in sides getting ahead. And one name that's been chucked about is Fabio Capello. Fabio Capello? That's, that's the name from the past. Yeah, that's what a else. side if that will be. <laughs> uh, Fabio Carvalho, uh, reportedly available after, after being recalled to Liverpool. And um, Leeds are reportedly interested. Would that be... An improvement on the attack they have. I mean, looking at the likes of Somerville, Dan James, or will it be for squad depth? Or is it perhaps a third option? They're expecting one of them to move on. Maybe Somerville. What do you think, Chris? Gononto is definitely gone Old in January. As well. um, I know so many Leeds fans who just don't want him at the club anymore after the summer. I think he, I think he's settled back in a bit more with the atmosphere, but while everyone at the club seems to have forgot it, the fans haven't really. And he also wants more starting football with the Euros coming up. Uh, he wants to be in that Italy squad. And I think there was something a while back. I can't remember where I read it, but there was something about Mario Balotelli telling some of the young players they're not having his spot at the Euros. And I can't remember the last time I saw Balotelli in an Italy squad. He's, what, 36 now? Yeah, he's definitely getting on. Like, yeah. Um, But if Fabio Cavello did go to Leeds, it will be a replacement for someone like Somerville or Gnonto. Do you believe that will be... Um... A fairly similar change. Like, is that a, a really good player coming in for a really good player, or will it be a bit of a a dip in class with Somerville going out the door and Carvalho going in? Because we've seen what Carvalho can do. He did it in a Fulham shirt in the Championship. It was obviously brilliant, but the class that Somerville shown this season, Jay, it's just been. Well, surely it can't be repeated by any other player. Nah, it's been unbelievable. You know, what I mean, Somerville's. Some of I remember when obviously Leeds were in the Premier League last season, and it was coming towards the end of the season, and he was getting a few games here and there. And I was thinking, yeah, I can see a player here. And this season, he's just become his own. He's he's taking it for himself. But yeah, I believe that. I don't think I think like the point you raised, Lewis. It's more about squad depth, and more about the fact that. You obviously saw the other day that Bamford was taken, bought in, and Perot was taken out. But I just think it's more of a... There's not as much pressure on the manager to have to play everyone week in, week out. He can move people around. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back. Uh, we're going to be continuing with the transfer news we've been going through so far. Obviously, it is January. The transfer window has just opened and... Another player which has been tooted about is Burnley's Manuel Benson. Southampton and Hull, I believe, have been battling for this one alongside a few uh, European clubs as well. Hull, apparently, favourites of this one. I mean, Chris, for Hull to have Philogene and Benson as their wide players, surely that's got to be one of the best in the second tier. Yeah, and... Every, everyone will be pushing, realizing how important the transfer window is, and I think with they're just creeping on that playoff spots, where you're one point behind Sutherland, and it's up and down between you, you two really. Um, it's going to be a case of who has the better transfer window, and if Hull can pull that signing off and not only pull it off but beat a team like Southampton to it, it'll be massive in the playoff picture. Yeah, and. Of course, this news was published yesterday, the 1st of January, of course, the window just opened. Just how important, Jay, is it for sides like Hull, all sides in the Championship, to get that get that business done early and cement that team rather than leaving it late till like deadline day or something? Yeah, I think it's really important because get the players in the door early and, you know what I mean, get them on the training ground. And, you know, we all know anyway, players are expensive in January. Even loan fees can go up because the only reason people are going to send people on loan is to give them game time. And I think that the later you leave it, it, if you're going to bring a player in and you're going to bring him in for six months, then you just get him in the door as quick as you can. You know what I mean? So he can get, so he can be ready for that first game back. And, but talk about Benson quickly. I did a bit of research on him earlier. Last season, he had 14 starts for Burnley. And he scored 11 goals and he got three assists. And like you said, if he did go to Hull, like I said to a few of my mates that I thought at the start of the season, I thought my outside shout was Hull are the team to go up, Hull are the team to win the playoffs. So, but I feel like whoever this guy goes to, he, he hasn't hit the ground running in the Premier League this season, but maybe that's because Burnley just haven't had the chances to fall into him. But yeah, I genuinely believe whoever he goes to, this guy's going to, turn it up and he's going to really really put a stamp on things yeah and it's um it would be quite a coup that for Hull City one who could potentially go, be going through the doors I believe there's a verbal agreement as reported but one player who has already came through the door at Hull City which has proved to be a bit of a, a bit of a marmite signing Chris um and that is Billy Sharp which at the age of 37, 38, him coming into a championship side. I think, talking to fans, people either love the the signing or they absolutely hate it. I'm just wondering what side you're on. Do you think that's a positive sign for Hull or is it just a bit of Deadwood? Um, See, I'm of a mixed opinion on that one because 
Uh, in a similar boat with Curtis Davis at Cheltenham Town, 38-year-old centre-back who I think last season he never played more than 45 minutes in a game. But it, it also, it's important to have these sort of figures in your dressing room. And I think in a championship squad, no one would be more of a big figure in the dressing room than Billy Sharp. You know, he's been there. He's done it all. He's helped take a team to the Premier League. He's played in the Premier League. So he he's the sort of person who can help spur you all on. And at a time like this, the attitude more than the impact he has on the pitch could be one of the more vital things in terms of performances and his influence on the squad. I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's unquestionable the impact he could have in the dressing room. Of course, he's been and done it for many years in the Championship and the odd season in the Premier League as well, of course in League One as well he's done it all across the EFL but he is getting on he's 38 37 39 years old whatever he is do you think he still has that ability Jay to not only make a difference off the pitch but also score a few goals for Hull as well yeah I think he I think he does I think at the end of the day he's a born goal scorer you know what I mean we've seen how many goals he scored for Sheffield United and I don't think he was bought in to be a player that will start every week obviously there's there's their striking options at Hull are actually quite good at the moment, but I feel like it's a weird one because obviously, as I'm sure you've seen it, he was he was talking massively and about wanting to go to Wrexham in League Two, and he obviously has confidence in himself, confidence in himself to obviously link himself with Wrexham in League Two and then come back to the Championship and put a stamp on things, but. No, I think he'll be all right. I think he can perform on the pitch. He's done it for two. He's done it for a lot of years now. So I think he'll be able to just... He's more of a professional as well. He'll be able to be brought on in the 70th minute, 80th minute and close the game off. So yeah, I think he'll be... I think it's a good signing for Hull personally. Uh, ju- just a note on his quality still. Uh, six goals and one assist in 12 games in the MLS for LA Galaxy. Can't be a bad yeah, thing, can Um I know it's the MLS, but in terms of having players like having some of the most most exciting young players around him at Hull, like Philogene, and if they get Benson through the door, it could be a lethal strike force. Yeah, it certainly could be scary, that one. The main thing I'm scared about, to be honest, is the potential of Hull fans singing his name to Baby Shark song, which <laughs> we'll get to that we'll get to that bridge uh, if we need to. But uh, sticking with Hull, of course, they played yesterday in the, the late kickoff on New Year's Day. And a bit of controversy was sparked in this one, Chris. I don't know if you've seen the, the Tyler Morton red cards. It's, it's very 50-50 whether people believe it should have been a red, believe it shouldn't have even been a foul. I've heard, I've heard some people say, What's your stance on it? Have you have you seen um, it yourself? I have seen it. I didn't watch it in any detail, but um, I'd say it's worthy of a yellow card, not a red. I, I think a red card is really harsh there, and the reaction of the players to the red card says it all, really. So, yeah, I think it is really harsh, and it was a massive game-changer for you in that one. Yeah. Jay, what are your thoughts on that one? Do you believe that the ref's got it right or it's it's quite a poor call from him? No, nah, I think it's a poor call from the ref. I think Chris is exactly right. 
in saying that you could see the players' reaction afterwards, and nobody—I'm sure a few Sheffield Wednesday fans were con- were confused why that red card was pulled out. But I think it, I don't know. I think it's the nature of the game, really. Um, obviously, ref seen Morton flying and gone, oh, dangerous red card. But in a game like that, when you're scrapping against Sheffield Wednesday, who are fighting for their lives at the moment. There's going to be tackles thrown in. See, I think the referee's got that one completely wrong. It's it's one of them where it's almost as if referees or like the rule book is suddenly telling players not to tackle there. I mean, see him, he he gets at least some of the ball, and if that's deemed dangerous and deems the red card, then like, what's football even going to become? Are players even going to bother lunging in for tackles? Is it just going to be a case of the ball's given away when you misplace a pass? I mean. Do you think something needs to change here, Chris? Because I mean, it was honestly mind-boggling for me in that start seeing the red cards get brandished there, which, like like you said, completely turned the game on its head. Yeah, I mean, something needs to change with referees in general. I mean, again, I'm not talking about refs again. Um, I, I, like in terms of the issue is that a lot of fans feel that. The EFL is almost forgotten about, and it's one of the issues I take is I can't remember what ref it was. It was for Preston Coventry penalty that was never a penalty in a million years. Um, but the referee who was in that game was on championship duty after making an error in Premier League the weekend before, and then the was day that for after the um, so it was that for the Man City, was it Man City no. Liverpool? Was it, it when, when, when Foden was in on goal, then it was called back? Was it that no, game? this this was before that. There was a penalty okay. given in Preston Coventry, and I cannot remember the referee. Um, but the referee was demoted for to the championship for a bad call in the Premier League. And then I think uh, the day after, he was on Premier League duty again after giving one of the worst penalties I have ever seen given in the championship. And when the worst you're going to get told is, yeah, you're going to you're going to go ref in the championship because you got it wrong in the Premier League. It's like a lot of EFL fans just sitting there thinking, well, why do we? The only people who are getting punished there is us. It's like, a bit degrading, isn't it? If yeah. anything. Um. But when referees can't seem to spot when the ball is out of play anymore, yeah. Um. I just think yes, something's it's... got to change with refereeing as a whole. Yeah, certainly. It's one of them where I feel like we've got Championship, League One, League Two, National League podcast. We could start with a referee podcast, you, if I'm going to be brutally honest. You, right. you look at the way VAR's headed as well. I mean, it's one of them where on Sky Sports News, they've now got a, a program, I believe, called Ref Watch. You would never get yeah. that in a minute, like, 10 years ago, you couldn't have even considered that. But with so many mistakes, they've got a whole bloody programme dedicated to it. I mean, on, <laughs> on the subject of VAR as well, it's not working. There we go. It's <laughs> not working. I think if you can't overrule the on-field decision because you can't see it clearly, then what's the point? You, you've just wasted five, ten minutes. I mean video replaying works so well in like the NBA, the NFL, and we can't do it right. 
But Arsenal, no team's ever conceded a goal when the ball's gone out of play, and we seem to have managed it twice this season. <laughs> yeah, it certainly has been a, a bit of a bittersweet thing, VAR for the Premier League clubs. But looking on the positive side of that whole Sheffield Wednesday game, of course, Sheffield Wednesday now have three wins in the last five. Uh, Jay, do you believe that Danny Rolls just completely changed the tide of Wednesday's season? And does he have a genuine chance of actually keeping them up? Because, of course, when Cisco was there, it was all doom and gloom. They hadn't won a single championship game, I believe. They were hitting all-time records for like, the lowest points after a certain amount of games. Is there now a solid chance that they will be playing championship football next season? Yeah, completely. I think that the one thing you need in the manager is confidence. And they seem to have that in abundance at the moment. Um, even in like when they played each other, once Hull scored, you thought, always oh, a comeback on. But Sheffield Wednesday just looked tight. They looked like nothing was going to get past them. And yeah, I just think confidence is the biggest thing for them. And then obviously Rotherham at the moment, they pick up the odd point here and there, but I think Rotherham are gone. QPR, who I don't want to sound too biased because I don't like QPR. Obviously, West Ham rivals with them a lot, but um, something's gone completely wrong there with them. And you've got Huddersfield just above, who are, I don't know, since they sat Warnock, they've just been completely off the pace. So, yeah, I think they, they can stay up. I believe in it. Big enough club. They've got... The, the fans clearly like the manager. You could see after they scored the other day, the players were all running over to the manager. They were really excited. So, yeah, I think as long as they keep the faith in the manager, they'll be all right. Of course, it's one of them. Yeah, you mentioned QPR there, through gritted teeth as well. Um, they've <laughs> by no means been good as well. I mean, they had a very bright start under Marty Smith went as the this foreign manager coming in, getting three wins in a row at one point. But now, no wins in the last six. Just the two goals in them games as well. I mean, are the same issues that were prevalent under Ainsworth starting to crawl back in, Chris? Is it the same team that we saw that was, fair to say, fairly diabolical under Gareth Ainsworth? Like, was was the change in management the, the fix? Or is it still a big issue there? I think up? there's more going on behind the scenes. And like I said in the past about... Um, the, I think it was the Athletic discussing issues going on behind the scenes, disagreements, and one of those being player sales. And you know, Chris Willock, Elias Chair, potential to be big money sales for the club, help improve other areas of the squad, and no one's done it. Um, but one thing I will say about Jay out of the gritted teeth of uh, QPR. The Brentford fan thought he'd got away from a championship and then on his first day with us is doing a championship podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet he thought he'd never have to talk about the championship again, didn't you? Um, yeah, welcome back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think the appointment of Sifuentes and the three wins in a row, I think it's just been a distraction and the rotten atmosphere is back again and the club's I think they're doomed. They're, I'd say Rotherham stand more of a chance of staying up than QPR. Well, that's, that is quite a bold call, that. I mean, looking at the championship table, I mean, it, it, 
it is starting to form a little bit. Of course, we've got Rotherham there at rock bottom, followed by QPR on 23rd, Wednesday in 22nd. Of course, they've been the bottom three for quite a few weeks. Then you've got the likes of Huddersfield and Birmingham, both massively out of form. And Stoke City as well, who are struggling to get a couple of wins under the belt. Is the bottom three set in stone, as you say, at Wednesday, QPR and Rotherham? Or do you feel like it still could fluctuate, Chris? I, I feel like Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham could both pull it off somehow and Birmingham and Huddersfield could go into it. What have you seen from uh, from Rotherham that's made you think that? Of course, the the unbeaten in the last three, I believe. So we've sort of called it back there. They've got a new manager, Liam Richardson, but still rock bottom and still seven points off safety. What sort of told you that you think they'd be okay? Um, it's not so much what they've done so far; it's what they could do uh, in January. They've they've obviously got the advantage over Birmingham having a manager. They they still got to settle in. And I think once Richardson settled in and hopefully got some players through the door, then he could start to turn things around. But it was probably one of the hardest jobs in the country to take, given what was going on at the club with um, Taylor. So I do think that January could be massive. January is massive for everyone down there. Um, Birmingham's next move will seal their fate. If they get this managerial appointment wrong, they'll be in that bottom three. What about you, Jay? Do you feel like it's set in stone at the minute? Or, like Chris, do you believe that Rotherham have got a fighting chance and Birmingham could get sucked into it? Um, I think it all depends, really. Whoever comes in for Birmingham, whether they hit the ground running or not. I think, me personally, I think Rotherham... I don't think Rotherham have got it in it to do it. Obviously, I hope they prove me wrong, but I think... Sheffield Wednesday, they're. I, I think they're going to stay up. And QPR, there's always that thing with QPR that like they've done it before, where they're they're down there, and then suddenly the players wake up and think, yeah, you know what, I actually want to play for this club now. And then they'll go on a mad, unbeaten run. I think, I think the club that should be most worried about dropping into it is Huddersfield. I really do. Yeah. I think. I think Birmingham will be able to worm their way out of it if they, with a new manager, and if they spend money. But yeah, I think Huddersfield should be the club worried at the moment. Yeah, of course we saw Darren Moore come in um, for Warnock, uh, and that, that's a Darren Moore who done so well at Sheffield Wednesday. But of course, over the summer there was some issues uh, upstairs, and he was obviously relieved of his duties. But he's not really kicked on as I expected to be honest I thought he'd be a solid championship manager just purely from what he showed at Sheffield Wednesday in League One and it's just it's just not really worked out for him has it Jay? No I don't think so Um, I feel like and as well that Huddersfield squad it's not it's it's not a weak squad but it's not a great squad at all and I feel like Warnock went in there and worked wonders with them I believe so and I don't know Darren Moore I, I like them I think he's a good guy and I, and if anyone was going to do things with him it probably would have been Darren Moore but I guess it just falls down to I think it looks worse for him because of how how well Warnock did there in a sense you know what I mean like 
in if we're being relative, like Warnock, although he never worked wonders with Huddersfield, he still did very well in the position they were. And now Darren Moore's come in and he hasn't had the, the same like results and the same hasn't looked as good for him. So yeah, I think that yeah, I feel for the guy because he's a good manager, but I think it was always going to be quite difficult after someone like Neil Warnock of his stature comes in. I think given given the way Sheffield Wednesday fell off the top of the table in League One last season as well, it would have been an appointment many were concerned about with that sort of how could you be in that position and lose that lead. So I think a lot of people would have been concerned. And maybe that still creeps in Darren Moore's mind at Huddersfield and it could be part of a reason. But again, there's so many teams towards the bottom of the championship where players just don't look like they want to play right now. Yeah, certainly so many uh, sides down there that are in danger of the drop, of course. The sides are already in there and Huddersfield, who are just above it. But you've got the likes of Birmingham there, Stoke and Plymouth Argyle, which it's such a surprise to still see them down there. Very hot and cold between home and away form. And looking at the home form, they've just came off the back of a six-goal thriller at home park. And we know the quality of that Plymouth show at home. To get 31 shots in a game against a Watford side, which aren't bad as well, they're fairly in the in the playoff uh, shout. You know, they're not that far off it. I believe like four points or so. But to get 31 shots in a single game, Jay, it's just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? And to see them so low down, it just shows how much of a difference is between their home form and what they're like on the travels. Yeah, exactly. Um... It's like any team, really. Any team has 31 shots, like you said, especially with the quality they got up front in Morgan Whitaker. You know what I mean? You think 31 shots. Probably should be sticking a few more in the back of the net, obviously. I think Plymouth are very... I think their home form is what will keep them up this season. And I feel like they've been quite unlucky a few times. Like I remember the Southampton game. I thought they were quite unlucky in the Southampton game as well. But... It's one of them ones. It's a new team to the championship. I think they're going to get a bit flustered. They're going to see the likes of the big teams around there, Leeds, the Leicesters. Pressure's going to get to them a bit. But I feel like if they if they can get them points at home and even if... I think they just need to forget about... Obviously, it's good to be a big team. Everyone knows that. But if they just keep getting them points around the, from the teams around them, They'll be sweet as. And with a player like Morgan Whitaker up front, you're never going to be shy goals with him up front. Whitaker as well, on the subject of him, I actually saw an interesting set of fans calling to sign him. And I think you'd both be surprised by the set of fans who were called, who wanted him <laughs> this January. And that was Spurs. Oh, dear. That would be quite a jump up for him, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I saw a group of... Don't ask me why Spurs fans came up on my Twitter. I try not to interact with them. It's, I work with one. It's bad enough. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, what one thing they were saying was about if anyone would fit Postacoglu's system, it would be Morgan Whitaker. But if he were, if that was a move he'd make, I, I wouldn't see how he'd fit into that Spurs side anyway. I mean, yeah, it, it would be quite a jump for him as well. I don't, 
I don't know how they came across them as well. Morgan Whitaker goals and assists compilation might have came up on YouTube or something like that. I don't think they're actively scouring Plymouth home and away. Uh, <laughs> if they Spurs, are fair enough, to, fair enough to them. Spurs fans researching future opponents in the championship. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be quite the jump up for him. But um, staying on uh, Plymouth, of course, they're still managerless. Schumacher went over to potential relegation rivals Stoke and looking at the candidates list for next Plymouth manager if I'm going to be brutally honest it doesn't make the best of viewing but Scott Parker is the favourite which I believe would be a solid one but then you look below that Gus Poye Paul Cook and then you got the likes of John Eustace Michael Duff what are your thoughts on that Scott Parker being the favourite Chris would that be a a good option for them or is it still, I don't know it, it just seems a little bit weird for me Scott Parker being Plymouth manager yeah I, I, I think Scott Parker would be a brilliant appointment Um, obviously things didn't work out in the end at Fulham and so on but beforehand he was brilliant for um what he did with them so I think he, he could certainly help keep Plymouth up. I don't think they're in any danger of going down anyway with what we said about the bottom three, what you said about shots in their last game and things like that. It's not something you do see anyone else down there doing. But while we're on the subject of the table as well, it's so surprising to see where t- some teams actually are in the table, such as Blackburn sitting just above Plymouth in 17th and Coventry have somehow crept up to 8th as well. Yeah, certainly. We'll, we'll get on to Coventry and they find themselves just three points off the playoffs. And it seemed after all this time, they finally managed to get Hadji Wright firing all four cylinders. Of course, he was just a bit painfully average, considering they paid, what, seven, eight million pounds for him. And I'll come to you uh, for this one, Jay. It's just how crucial is it that he's came around at this time? And now they find themselves four points off the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like Coventry, I did feel quite bad for them at the start of the season. Obviously, they lost in the playoff final to Luton. And then they've arguably like lost their best player. One of the best players they've had in a while. But yeah. Two, two of the right, best players, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And oh, yeah. Gamer. Sorry, I forgot about him as well. But um, they're... I think around Christmas time is the perfect time for a player to start kicking. Obviously, if you ask any manager, start kicking from the start of the season. But I feel like if they're going to start kicking, start kicking now. The fixtures are coming fast. You know what I mean? And he's not gonna he's not gonna have much time to dwell over certain performances. So, and the championship, we all know, championships a weird league. It's one of the, probably the most interesting league we've got in England because you never know what's going to happen. You can't predict what's going to happen. And who's to say in a month's time, we're not sitting here talking about the fact Coventry City are, I don't know, nearly fourth in the league, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, I don't know. I think the Championship's a weird league and I feel like it's only good on the lad that he's scoring the goals he is and he's hit form at the right time. Yeah, sticking with Plymouth, it, it's just, uh, not, not Plymouth, sorry, uh, Coventry. Uh, I was about 10 minutes behind there, sorry. <laughs> uh, sticking with Coventry, it, it is incredible and it just, Shows what the championship is like year in, year out. Of course, saw last season, like some Middlesbrough, who were down in 20th, 21st after 12 or so games. And then they finished in the playoffs. Was it playoffs or the fallout the last game? 
we're in and around there. I think we're, yeah, yeah. It's safe to say that. But just looking at the entire playoff picture, we're talking about Plymouth against Watford before. Even Watford's are in the mix there, although they are a bit of an outsider. But looking at all the options, Chris, who do you see clinching them spots? Of course, Southampton and Leeds are fairly certain. But looking between fifth and... I'll say between fifth and 14th, to be honest, any of them sides could creep back in there. I I think the top four are nailed on. I think it's going to be those last two playoff spots that I could... We speak about inconsistency and I wouldn't be surprised to see West Brom and Sunderland drop out and Hull and Coventry take them over those two. Because you've just got to be consistent up there and they don't seem to be. They never seem to show any sign of consistency, both of these clubs. Um, and I, I don't know what the situation is still with a West Brom takeover. I think that one's been up in the air for a while now, hasn't it? So if that's not done for the January transfer window and West Brom can't get sign-ins in January, then I fully believe they'll drop out the playoff places as opposed to a Hull and maybe a Coventry side. You know, Coventry probably still have a bit of money left to spend from Giacara's and Hamer transfers. So if they can get signings in January, West Brom and Sunderland could slip out over those two. Yeah, because you mentioned their whole commentary outside of the playoffs at the minute, but likely to crawl back in there. Then, Jay, we see the likes of Cardiff, Watford, Bristol City, Middlesbrough, even Norwich and Preston, to be honest. All sides which have been fairly inconsistent, but still find their way around there, in and around the playoffs. Do any of them teams creep out as ones that could potentially cause a bit of an upset here and in the latter stage of the season get into the playoffs? Um, I think, I don't know, it's going to be difficult. There's so many teams in and around there and every week you're banking on four teams to lose and a team to draw. But I'm just looking at the table now. I, I don't think you can write out Watford at this point. I really don't. I think... I think Watford have got something. Watford have got something going, and out of apart from Hull, actually, Cardiff, Cardiff and Borough have won the most games. So I, I don't know. Cardiff maybe another one outside shout, but I think they. I think Cardiff are way too inconsistent for me. I think. Yeah, you, I was. Yeah. Honestly, it's a. I was just about to say so. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say Cardiff. Yeah. Very inconsistent. I feel like they're the most consistently inconsistent side in this um, argument of the playoffs. We've got 11 wins and 11 losses. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how, like, you can't even get more inconsistent than that. But um, looking at these playoff spots, Chris, um, of course, you mentioned that a takeover at West Brom might shadow over any potential signings in January. But if Sunderland potentially get the likes of Stansfield from... Um, Fulham, if he gets recalled by them, as he's at Birmingham at the minute, or Hull City could potentially get hold of Manuel Benson on loan for the rest of the season, or Coventry do spend this leftover money from Gutteresh and uh, Gustavo Hamer um, uh, Stellens. Do you believe that they could get ahead of West Brom? Because of course they do have that advantage in the January transfer window. Yeah, and I think like we used the term Spursy earlier, it's, pro- it's going to be used again. 
I think if any team was the Spurs of the championship, it would be West Brom for how they've been over the years. They've been in back in the championship. I think they were they were hard done by to go down as well. But um, yeah, they, they, they'll always struggle. And the only way they could ever see West Brom back in the Premier League is if they did it via the automatics because of their problems with inconsistency. The issue with that obviously being that to get to the automatics, you've got to be consistent. So I think they're going to struggle down there for a long time before they get back up. Yeah, certainly. It's going to be quite It's going to be quite something this championship uh, season for the remainder of it, as it is every year, I feel like, at this stage. God knows what's going to happen. God knows who's going to sign who in January, but it's looking quite tasty. We were only two days into the transfer window, as it is. Um, and if you both had to sort of suggest just the one transfer for a championship side to make, realistically as well, um, what would you just go for, starting off with you, Jay? The key one, I don't know. Obviously, the key ones that are um, being thrown about, probably Stansfield. I'll give you a little Brentford insight. I've got a youngster called Ola Jigbe on us, right? I'm telling you, any championship club, if you're watching, get onto him now, right? And it'll, it's guaranteed. But no, um, I think that, I think Stansfield the one. Stansfield to Sunderland, and we might see more red and white at Wembley. Yeah. How about you, Chris? You have to give one suggestion. I'm going to be different, and I'm going to say one player that a team has to keep hold of this January, and that's Norwich have to keep Jonathan Rowe. No, 100%. Um, I think Spurs went in for him yesterday or, or the day before. Spurs... Uh, credited in interest if Norwich were to push for those promotion spots like you said they could um, I mean they may be 13th but they're still only 5 points behind Sunderland but to close that gap they have to keep a player like Jonathan Rowe who I've, I've mentioned about Jaden Philogene could be a player who could break into the England squad maybe the 23 man for the Euros uh, with his quality down there. But Jonathan Rowe, with how he's been doing as well, helping Norwich to a promote to a playoff place could also strengthen his case to get in over someone because there's so many players who just get in off merit to that England squad and that's something that has to change. And I think rewarding these young players in the EFL for things like that is where you start to make that change. I feel like the, st- the state of the England side at the minute, that'll be one hell of a bold call, I think, for either Jonathan Rowe or Jim Philogene to get that call up, especially with uh, Southgate, the manager. I don't think he's he's one often to turn to the EFL, is he? No, but uh, in terms of my argument is, what have people like Rashford done to be going to the Euros this next summer? Well, this summer now. Yeah, I mean... I mean it, it, it's a case of there's a lot of players in there just because he knows them. I mean, if you ask me, obviously not the same position, but if you ask me Jaden Philogene or Jordan Henderson, obviously I'm only going to say one name. But if you ask Gareth Southgate that, then it's a whole different story, isn't it? It's just yeah. one of them. <laughs> I, I, think mean, it was a case, I think it was a case of Jordan Henderson as well 
taken a move like Saudi Arabia and pretty much said something that was along the lines of just don't forget me, Southgate. You, you know what you're doing taking that move. And I, I think, yeah. Send a little postcard, I think. Yeah, just, just, just to make sure. <laughs> well, on that um, Southgate slanderous note, I think we'll end things there. Um, thanks for listening to the Look Sports Media Championship podcast. Make sure you check out all the socials, Instagram, Twitter. I believe we've got a TikTok as well. Very active on there. Make sure you go and check it out. Of course, while you're out and about, check out the League One, League Two and National League podcasts. But for now, we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.